We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Winning isn't everything, but it's the only thing. In our business, there is no second place. Either your first or your last. Exactly two minutes remain in this football game. Dallas leads Green Bay 17-14. Shar on third down. Third and goal. Quarterback. Three seconds left. Green Bay Packers are going to be world champions, NFL champions for the third straight year. Far. Lays it up for Freeman and it's incomplete. And or did he cave in the catch at the 15? Yes. What are they gonna roll it? He caught it? Touchdown! He did what? Rogers in trouble. It's gonna get there. He turned 32 yesterday. Does he have a vintage moment in it? In the end zone! It is caught for the win! Richard Rogers! With a walk-off touchdown. The final snap of Super Bowl 45. The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. The Lombardi Trophy is coming home. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Talk of the Tundra, your Green Bay Packers podcast that is a proud partner of the Eurostep Podcast Network and the Blue Wire family. As always, I am your host, Numak. This week, coming with to you with another preview pod of the Los Angeles Chargers coming into town to face the Packers who are coming off of their most recent loss against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And joining me to break it all down as it'll probably be a tough one to break down <laughs> is my lovely co-host Jordan Tresky. Jordan, how are you doing, buddy? Doing well, doing well. I'm going to count how many times I accidentally mentioned San Diego instead of L.A. So we're going to have a running count of San Diego mentions, even though the Chargers have not played in San Diego for seven no. years? No. Eight years? No. There's no way. If it's that long, it, I'm old. Now I'm curious. Hold on. 2016, that's insane. Yeah. Oh my god, it's been seven years. Yep. Wow. Well then, in any case, uh, before we get to the uh, Chargers game against the Packers coming up on Sunday, we have to hand out some cheeses to our cheese recipients from the Steelers game. Um, this game, while the Packers lost 23-19, to did look... Um, similar in that there was some actually some good things to take out of it 
as well as things to improve upon. But as we know, Packers aren't exactly a good team, and any progress is progress at this point. So we are just happy to see some good results out of this game. So the three players that are getting cheeses this week. First up, Jordan Love. Um, two uh, crunch time interceptions that were entirely his fault, but otherwise on the day, 21 of 40, 289 yards with two touchdowns. Um, also had 11 yards on the ground for what that's worth, but um, overall was making some really nice throws. I saw it discussed this week um, that Jordan Love makes a lot of really great throws and it's really pretty, but he needs to get more consistent on the um, the simple throws and not miss all of those. So I don't know what your take is on that, but I think that will come with time. And if he's making special throws already in between the, the simple throws he needs to get better at, then I think he's in a pretty good spot despite that four-game stretch that looked a little rough. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I don't I don't really have any other point than Jordan Love. There's You see the raw potential, or it's not potential, but you see the raw just – this guy can make really good throws. This guy can really – he's starting to put something together. It's just consistency and everything else that you'd like to see out of a, you know, your franchise quarterback in air quotes. Yes. Would agree. Would agree. Hopefully he has another good week this week that we will touch on in a minute. Um, next is Jaden Reed. Uh, I think career day. I think this is the most yards he's had. But uh, five catches, all five of his, caught all five of his targets, I should say. 84 yards and that long touchdown. Um, really blossoming as a great like inside slot receiver for this team. Obviously still a rookie, but he's becoming... Uh, a tool that should be utilized more often, just like Dontavion Wicks um, has been in recent weeks. Not that Jaden Reed hasn't been used this season at all, and like as like a criticism, it's just I think he's coming into form um, right before our eyes. Seven uh, plays, or what is it? Seven seven receptions of thirty plus yards on the year for Jaden Reed. That's already the more than any Packers rookie receiver has made in a full season since 2000. That's courtesy of, I believe, Mike Spoford over at Packers.com. Um, yeah, very impressive stuff. I, I, There's certainly, again, big thing with him is, especially we see on punt returns, and he had it uh, almost one on he, Sunday. He, he muffed one. He muffed one. And he has, he needs to get stronger hands. It's catch radius stuff that, that has been the issue with him. Outside of that, like he is, he's serving his role well. It, there's a reason why he was the second round wide receiver that they took this year, and we knew that they would need an outlet kind of guy. That, especially given the previous regime and what they're coming out of, Randall Cobb was just not that effective last year. And getting a guy that can, even if it's a rookie receiver who has, you know, drops. Um, under his belt at this point, many drops under his belt. He's still making big plays and is still serving a role or a value to Jordan Love in the passing game, especially with how much they've had to air it out, so to speak. So, yeah, I, I've liked what we see of Jaden Reed on the whole. There's certainly things to get better at, but again, that could apply to pretty much every Packer on this roster, given the state of the season so far. Yeah, absolutely. Um, on a, on a slight tangent, um, talking about just the 
punt returning of it all. I'm not really sure why Rich uh, Basaccia and Matt LaFleur just don't put uh, Keyshawn Nixon back there, like, at all times. Because, like, I understand trying to get, like, Jaden Reed in there, and maybe that Keyshawn Nixon's a little tired from playing defense in a pretty significant role on defense, but he catches the ball. That's, like, pretty simple about it. It can make plays. I'm not saying I'm not comfortable with Jaden Reed back there, but I think that we uh, are seeing that he's not the most adept at it because I think that's that's for sure not his only muffed punt on the year. And luckily he hasn't lost one yet. Uh, knock on your nearest wooden object. But I I think you're, you're playing with fire on that one. And it's not that it truly matters because, like, we're bad. Losing is kind of beneficial for the Packers right now. But I think if you're giving up possessions for your offense, that's and that's where you want the most progress and development to happen. Putting your defense out on a short field isn't exactly the best idea. Like just yes. losing possessions is bad, if you'd believe it or not, Jordan. I, I would agree <laughs> with that. Especially a defense just that just doesn't force the issue and try to generate turnovers. They that's part of the problem too. Is right. that when the Packers defense is out there, they're out there. They're not making plays to right. to really get off the field. I think that's part of the problem that we're seeing with the defense as a whole. On top of everything else that has been mentioned throughout the week that we'll certainly get into with this Chargers team. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't necessarily get it either, but we'll we'll see how it evolves. I it's guess. also not like, again, super critical. It's more nitpicky than it is anything. But yeah. I think it's just worth monitoring. Like, it's a it's in the same vein as Amari Rogers returning punts last year. Like he's muffing them at a, at too often of a clip for it to be how good for my mental health. Yeah. <laughs> um that being said, our third cheese to give out goes to one Elton Jenkins who had a pretty good week um against the against the Steelers. Notably, didn't have to uh or we, we were going to, I should say we were going to, one of the options for a lineman, because I think the lineman, uh, a lineman deserved, holy moly, a lineman deserved a cheese this week. It was going to be Zach Tom because um, of how he held up against um, TJ Watt throughout the entire game. Ultimately, EJ graded out uh, fairly well across the board in both run blocking and pass blocking. Um, Zach Tom did have a penalty um, assessed to him, the one that wasn't the unsportsmanlike conduct at the end of the game. Um, but for all intents and purposes, a great week from EJ, uh, allowing two pressures, uh, one hit in a hurry. Um, but yeah, just a, a good week from EJ graded out. And it's not like the running holes weren't open. Like AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones did have some holes to hit this, uh, this week. Yes. I, I thought on a week where, Again, we keyed in on TJ Watt, and obviously so. Um, we Packers have had their protection issues for the last couple of weeks, especially certainly as we gotten farther in the season. The fact that they helped protect Jordan Love and limited the Steelers to one sack, that is cheeseworthy in my mind. And it it's more reflective of the offense and how we talked about it post-game of there were chances they were doing stuff to move the ball, to put themselves in position to score. There were th- many things that got in the way of why they only scored 19 points. But when you're kind of 
at least things were humming in a way where they're not shooting themselves in the foot in terms of like just non-starting drives. They're moving the ball, and that obviously involves uh, protecting Love under how many times did he throw? 40? So a lot of dropbacks, a lot of time to certainly allow pressure, and the Packers did did close to their best job of, of, you know, doing as much as they can given the circumstances. Right, absolutely. So, so overall, uh, big week for the offense. Uh, Defense had some good players as well, but um, nothing that really stood out to uh, earn a cheese. I think it was just a couple of good performances from the offense and just average performances from the defense. So, should we get into it? We have some news and notes. News and notes to get get to. Some news and notes. Um, injury report and all that kind of stuff. So first and foremost, the Packers released Ennis Gaines on Monday um, and then picked up uh, rookie Caillou Blue Kelly off of the waivers from the Seattle Seahawks. Um, they're back to, 50, to a 53-man roster, so no open roster spots that way. Um, was graded out pretty highly for um, his RAS score, and I think he bounced around... Um, yeah, got drafted by the Ravens in the fifth round this yeah. year. They cut him before uh, roster cutdowns. Seahawks picked him up, was on there for about two months, and then Packers swooped in and did their thing. I think he was on the Packers' big board, at least for some media personalities in the Packers' Twitter sphere. I to... did see that. I, yes, I forgot to include that. But, um, but yeah. I think getting a free fourth round pick and off of waivers is uh, is a good thing. Like it might as you might as well just take the swing on a unknown um on an unknown player versus a unknown guy like Ennis Gaines. Like we kind of have figured out what Ennis Gaines does, what he is capable of and what his playing ability is. It's not that he's a a poor player, he's just I don't think has a fit on this team and is could be better essentially. But a fourth round pick is a fairly high pick in a year where there wasn't a lot of good cornerbacks. I think Christian Gonzalez and Devin Witherspoon were kind of the cream of the crop, and then yep. and that was kind of it. And they it reflected in where they got taken to. Right, exactly. I think Christian Gonzalez was fifth, maybe, and Devin Witherspoon was late. I think he went to the Seahawks, so had to be in the twenties or something. Mm-hmm. So um but yeah. Uh, Caillou Blue Kelly's uh, RS score is eight seven six, um, not the fastest four five two, um, but had a, <clears throat> excuse me, but had a pretty good split um, at the early parts of his forty yard dash. Overall, just a quick kind of twitchy guy. So we'll see what kind of playing time he gets with Jair being out, which we'll get to in a minute, or probably going to be out. Um, probably just a depth thing for them and need to. Um, upgrade a guy from the practice squad to the roster. So second team, uh, or two nods on the all pack 12 second team. Well, he was at Stanford the last couple of years. Also son of Brian Kelly, a cornerback for the Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers from 20 years ago. Not, the, um, not the Brian Kelly coach for no, LSU. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, even though he is, he sure is defensive. Um, no, son of Brian Kelly, who, um, I'm old enough to remember him playing and he was pretty good. Do you remember when 
uh, Brian Kelly went to LSU when he first started and went to the... He's uh, using that accent? He, he tried to use the Ed or, uh, Orgeron accent. Let's go Tiger. <laughs> <laughs> that was... Uh, I remember that quite fondly, and it was very funny. Um, so, yeah. Looking at some, uh, some of his plays on um, the Twitter, some videos, some highlights, just athletic dude, so... Here's to hoping it works out, and maybe Goody found a new Russell Douglas. I know that's not something that happens very often, but hey, who knows? So, alrighty. Um, moving into the week injury report time, the uh, Matt Lafleur said this week that he that the team will not practice in pads, um, focusing on uh, recovery. Quote. I thought the focus was there, and hopefully we'll see the speeds on Sunday. So, I think the team's probably a little banged up, having coming off of a few straight games and a bit of travel, as well as I think, like like he said, they looked good on Sunday for all intents and purposes. Besides some of the guys up front in the rush defense, but when you have two dynamic quarter or running backs like that and Jalen Warren and Najee Harris, that's just kind of how it's going to have to work. So. Not that I, I don't disagree with this choice. Hopefully it gets the guys refreshed a little bit and ready to play against a powerhouse offense that the Chargers bring in. And they certainly have had plenty of injuries, so yeah. I'm sure that went into some l- factor of why they're choosing to do it this week. Yep, and that's um, recognized and, I guess, prompt, propped up by the injury report the Packers have this week. Uh, Jair did not practice. Um, they held a walkthrough, so like they, it's all um, a guesstimation for that. Uh, Jair would not have practiced today, shoulder injury, and neither would have Rudy Ford, safety in, uh, the safety for a bicep injury. So that secondary just continues to be depleted, and it's going to be a problem this week, I think. <laughs> um, players that would have been limited in practice should they have held a full practice was Kenny Clark with his shoulder injury he sustained a couple weeks ago um Elton Jenkins with his knee as always and as predicted um Aaron Jones' hamstring as always and as predicted um Quay Walker with his groin limited so we'll see how he feels the rest of the week I'm sure it'll be a game time decision if anything and then Christian Watson with a shoulder injury would have been a limited participant um on the Injury report as a, as full participants were both um, Lyman Yash Nyman with his back injury and John Runyon Jr. with his neck injury. So good news there. For the Chargers, um, they had a full practice today. It seems um, a few uh, DMPs that are notable. First and foremost, uh, Keenan Allen with his shoulder injury. I think he's had that somewhat all year. If I'm not mistaken. I believe so. Yeah. Um, Gerald Everett, their tight end, has a back injury. He did not just participate. Um, Sebastian Joseph Day, a D lineman, has a knee injury. He did not participate. Um, Quill Mack was listed as a DMP, but uh, he had veteran rest, so no issue there. And, and Donald Par- uh, Parnum Jr. has a knee injury, and he did not. Or I'm sorry, hip injury. He not particip- He did not participate. Um, JT Woods was on the non-football illness. Um, or, yeah, non-football injury slash illness list. Um, he was limited. And full participants were Rashawn Slater, their pretty standout tackle, um, Ahoy Guyman, their safety, and Joey Bosa, their edge rusher. 
So both uh, some pretty long lists for the Chargers and the Packers coming in. Hopefully most of these players play because you like seeing good players play, frankly. Yes, definitely. So getting into all that, the Chargers come into town consistently one of the uh, unluckiest teams ever. Ever. (laughs) I guess I don't want to say the unluckiest. I think they just have the most Uh... they just have the most luck in their schedule. Like sometimes they get really lucky. And then sometimes they get really unlucky. Does that make sense? Like they like there's always this this bit in there. I saw somewhere it's, that they were they had some pretty decent luck this year despite their crap record already. Not just the I believe they are the second most lucky team by some metric. Yeah. Hackers are high up there too, surprisingly. Right. So that being said, the Packers are ten and two against the Los Angeles Chargers. Um the two losses that they have have come at home, um, including um, their most recent meeting in 2019, where they lost 26 to 11. Uh, currently, the Chargers are four and five, coming off of a uh, game-winning field goal from the Lions, um, I believe in no in Detroit, in Detroit. I yes, it was in Detroit. Yeah. so they're coming back to back to the Midwest. Yep. So, but they are four and five with a plus twenty four point differential and are third in the West this year. Um, They're pack- behind the Raiders. Yeah, like it's it's tough out there for the AFC West. Like that, I remember when Russell Wilson got traded to the Broncos. It was like, oh, so like four teams from the AFC West are going to make the playoffs, huh? Because you had the Chiefs, the Justin Herbert led Chargers, the Rus- Russell Wilson led Broncos, and then maybe the Raiders thinking they're with their car with Devonta Adams coming in and Darren Waller. So the Raiders with Aiden O'Connell, but now it's the Raiders, the Aiden O'Connell, the Broncos are being better, but then the Chargers just can't seem to get over having Brandon Staley as their head coach, I think is the biggest issue. <laughs> I think the Chargers can't get over the fact that they're the Chargers and that they play in front of away <laughs> crowds at every home game. It's a very interesting experience. I think that team that might be an NFL problem. Like they invested. I think it is. They they invest. They, yeah, they invested in putting players or putting teams in destination locations, which is San Diego. Well, that too. But like, I don't. I think the biggest thing is that like with you see with Vegas and Los Angeles now, they're nice stadiums. They're in destination places where families want to go out and vacation and then may see their favorite team play so that's just my take on it but um hopefully with time it gets rectified i have um loved the chargers for a lot of my life i'm a, like pseudo chargers fan i, I have just, a i have a soft spot for them i don't i maybe it's like i like their jersey aesthetic yep it helps oh, that they've the powder blues oh powder so blues good. the powder blues yeah. in the ladain tomlinson era were for my love. That's the thing is that they've, like, when I was growing up early, they, they had very mediocre teams. Like, think of Ryan Leaf. Oh, yeah. Drafting him, all that stuff. It was LaDainian Tomlinson who's literally probably, be besides Barry Sanders, might be the most dynamic, uh, captivating yeah. running backs I've ever seen in my life. Him, Philip Rivers, Antonio Gates, like, they've had a lot of good players over the years. And they have had the weirdest things happen to them 
to prevent I, like having a season where they have like the best offense and best defense, but they had the worst special teams unit that prevented them from making the playoffs. playoffs. <laughs> it, it was it's just crazy. It's so just there's crazy. Some, like there's just some like kismet thing of like I like them, and, I, and the other thing too is that, like you mentioned. Packers only played him 12 times. This will be the 13th time that they'll play him. Yeah. That's not a lot of, like, they're not, like, a team that you'll see very often. So, therefore, I'm like, hey, I kind of like this team. They're this. Right. For for a team you know, that was established in the in the 60s, like. Yeah, they're an AFL team. Right. Like, for a team that's old, that, that's, for a team that is that old, having only faced them now 13 times and almost 60 years over 60 years mm-hmm. is incredible. So you don't see him very often. Glad they're coming to green Bay. Hope the Packers win. Um, but yeah, they're, they're a team. They're a team. And uh, despite all the talent on that team, like we said, four and five, this might be a game. The chargers hope to win against the Packers, given that it should be relatively easy for them behind the offense that they have chargers rank. Um, Amongst the highest of, um, they rank seventh in points per game, and sixth in total expected points per PFF. Like behind Keenan Allen and Justin Herbert, and uh, before Mike Williams went down, they had him. Now the Josh Palmer has been a decent yep guy, Quint- but he I think he got hurt too. Yep, Quinton Johnson is, was uh, is the rookie they're trying to weave in, and then they have Austin Eckler to hand the ball off to. Like this team has a high powered offense, and Keenan Allen is having a career year. Um, Herbert's fifth in passing TDs this year. Keenan Allen is tied for first in receptions at 73. Um, fourth in receiving yards and fifth in TDs. Um, even since Austin Eckler has come back from his injury, he started really hot. And with his injury, he's yeah. been he's still pretty good. And given that Austin Eckler is a dual threat running back, like catches the ball well out of the backfield and is just a good runner in general, sounds like a big day <laughs> for the for the Chargers offense to me. Yeah, I think that's the thing is that, like, part of the problem that we've had with this Packers season is that a lot of the the frustration that we've had is that these games that they're playing are winnable games, or at least opponents that they may have, like, the best team that they played, the Lions. Mm-hmm. They're very high-powered offense. The Chargers' offense right now even with Austin Eckler having a down year and saddled by injuries for a couple of games, this is the best offense that they're going to play. Yeah. At least so far until the Chiefs game. Yeah. And it does not reassure me that they are where they are with this defense because of what we saw last week, what we saw have seen at times. We saw that the Vikings light them up passing wise, and they'd even have Justin Jefferson, like Keenan Allen alone. They have not faced a number one wide receiver like that this year. Uh-uh. And they, like, it, Amon Ross St. Brown is the closest to that, and he's a very good wide receiver. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, Keenan I, Allen, think, I think they're on the same level, if, but I think Keenan Allen presents a more explosive aspect to it. Yes, and he's just – him and Herbert just have it dialed in. They're as – trusted of a combo as they can be even with the Chargers just being four and five like that is and given their the injuries to significant wide receivers in that room they've really rode or died with 
Herbert throwing to Keenan Allen, and it's mm-hmm. it, it's crazy the numbers that he's already putting up, and we're halfway through the season. Yeah, no, I'm I'm right there with you. Like I I just think, uh, with the arm that Justin Herbert has, and Keenan Allen's like pretty fantastic route running ability, he. I think him and Amon Ra are right there as like the the best receivers they've played all year, which mm-hmm. has been somewhat of a of a gift considering the depleted secondary that we've had to face or that we've had to trot out there. So it'll be interesting for sure as to how they defend this passing game because I think what is going to be really tough about this Sunday's game is that the Chargers will really have any sort of um any any play play in the playbook is open for them on offense. You can yes. either go Keenan Allen against either seventh round pick of uh, Corey Valentine and Carrington Valentine, and or you could just run Austin Eckler against this porous rush defense. And so, I think that's where it's going to be different or be difficult. I apologize for the defense to have any sort of momentum. I think they'll just need to get home more. But I think. That, that's, I think, one discussion I wanted to have with you, I guess, is what does success look like for the secondary on, on Sunday, knowing that the their tight ends between um, Gerald Everett and um, Donald Parham, they are, I shouldn't say dynamic, but they, they're pass catchers um, as well as just being good blocking tight ends. But then uh, Keenan Allen, Quinton Johnson, and Jalen, uh, I think it's Gutton coming off of um, IR, had a good week last week. So they have weapons in this in this uh, receiving room, and I'm very curious as to, because I think I have my expectations. I'm, I'm curious as to what your expectations are for those cornerbacks that are going to guard Keenan Allen and the rest of the receivers this week. I mean, they're not high, clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a different... This is kind of where we're at, especially with the season, and it's kind of goes in lockstep with the reason why they take a flyer on Caillou Kelly. Of okay, well, if you're if you're trying to find diamonds of the rough and and stuff like that, like throwing it, putting these reps against guys that are inexperienced and haven't faced up against a wide receiver like Keenan Allen. Can't even say that about you know who they're lining up against in practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know I mean like. It's just a whole different level of of wide receiver that we're talking about here. This is an all-pro level kind of guy. And I would surely like to see them hold their own. But what does that mean? What is, does that mean? Oh, 10 catches, 150 yards, and maybe a touchdown? Like, it could still, it could still result in that, and we could still be like, hey – Given the circumstances, like that, could, that might be enough. But like, I, I think, I think, not to get ahead of myself, but I think we're we're getting to a point where this is going to be a shootout game, and and in part because the Packers' defense, like, they are very a uh, we, we don't want to live give up the big plays, but they surely are prone to giving them up, even when you don't think they're going to give them up to teams that are capable of making big plays consistently. Right. This Chargers offense is a totally different beast in that regard. And that's why I think in the young secondary that we'll see and how they will handle, you know, who sees Keenan Allen, how many times he sees zone, which will probably be a lot. Like, I don't know. I am very, 
I just think we we're, we're this is gonna be a, a gash, and you kind of hope for you know any stops, even if it if it if it is like field goals, like it, it's yeah. that kind of level of like, well, three points, it's not, it's not a touchdown. You yeah, know, that kind of thing. No, I I agree with you there. Um, you had mentioned what you said: ten catches, one hundred fifty yards, a touchdown is like reasonable for the two picks, the two seventh round picks to to have. Yeah, I would say so. So, I think that's probably close to what he'll get. I'm looking at his game log this year, and man alive, does he get some targets? Um, he has one game this year in which uh, he received less than nine targets. He received 20 against the Vikings in week three. He had 18 catches uh, on 20 targets for 215 yards. Which is crazy. Absolutely crazy. Um, But yeah, his only game where he had five targets was against the um, Raiders at home in week four, it looks like. He had three catches, um, 32 yards, and a touchdown. And so, but other than that, he's had over 50 yards in every other game. And at least four catches in every game. And that's against, like, guys that have good quality corners. Like, it's just, that's just how it is kind of thing. So, I, I wouldn't be upset if they gave up, yeah, 150 and a touchdown on like seven, eight day catches. I think if it gets to like the Minnesota level of, okay, I'm just throwing a key in Allen and that's how we're going to win this game. Then it gets a little out of hand. Like you have to then scheme double coverage and make him throw to somebody else, make him run the ball, anything like that. Like, do you remember the, uh, the solemn picture of the fan in the Santa hat against the Titans? Yes. I think that has potential to be one of those games. Yes, I, I think that that's where the key, the Keenan Allen effect on this defense is going to be very interesting because mm-hmm. even if they go the lengths of really trying to cancel him out of this game, as we mentioned, like they have dynamic pass catchers, whether it's, you know, uh, Guyton, um, their tight ends, Everett and Parham, Austin Ankler feels like this could be a big Austin Ankler game. Um, like, I <laughs> we'll see if the 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 if Joe Barry goes that far because you know a lot of discussion about his uh, preferred scheme and personnel wise. But yeah, um, Keenan Allen could easily have just a, a big field day, and uh, I, I'm not looking forward to that. No, not at all, really, and. I guess I, I would imagine that play action is going to have a pretty big impact this week because I'm sure they're going to run Austin Eckler quite often to get that just game going, and then you'll have to bite on it, and then that's when make mistakes happen, players bite on the run, and Keenan Allen's wide open down the field. Like I think yeah. that's just kind of how it's going to have how it's going to be, unfortunately. But I think your point earlier about holding them to to field goals is going to be difficult as well. Like. Chargers ranked second in red zone efficiency, converted 72.5% of their 29 red zone trips this year. Um, and they just don't turn the ball over often. 7.2 turnover percentage, um, second behind, believe it or not, the Steelers we faced last week. So 
Um, the Packers have that good red zone efficiency as well, 10th best. Um, only less less than 50% of their opponent's trips end in a touchdown. But the flip side of the coin is that they, are, they don't get a lot of turnovers. They're pretty bad um, in the league, fifth worst at 8.4%. And it's not for lack of trying. Keyshawn Nixon had one that he should have drug his foot on, dragged his foot on, my apologies, to the grab fumble. the fumble um, as well as the, the lateral. So it's just sometimes it's just those breaks that have happened this year, right? We need some we need some better breaks to to go the Packers way and just for playmakers to make plays. Like Jair hasn't had a great year snatching turnovers and getting balls, but half of that's because he hasn't been healthy either. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, it, it's. I think that's part of the defensive problem that I would look at is that like, as we mentioned, or as I mentioned before, it's like this team, the defense is just always on the field. Like it, it's not, it's not always the case, but they don't do a lot of three and outs or it's the turnover percentage is what it is. They're not a team that really plays in a way to force turnovers either, unless if it's getting home to the quarterback. But I think I can only think of the Vikings game where the play that Kirk Cousins got hurt on, um, where he fumbled, got sack fumbled. Uh, or sorry, that's there's two plays I, I should say. Preston forced to fumble that game, and then Jonathan Owens following up um, against the Rams uh, to force Brett Ripien, uh 
<laughs> the ball out of his hands. But it's just it's not a team. This has not been a team that you know. It's been a it's, it's a long time since Lafleur's first year where the Packers had this you know uh, clearly an outlier season in terms of forcing takeaways and playing having that be such an advantage to their to their success that like their defense is just so milk toast like it that's <laughs> it's yeah. part of the problem. No, I, I agree with you there. It's just it's tough sledding right now for the defense. They they can't force turnovers. They can't get a whole lot of three and outs. Like they got they had some three and outs and hump and some stops against uh the Steelers last week, but that's against the Steelers who have a relatively lackluster passing offense behind Kenny Pickett. Like I think the defense played well in the passing game last week, but then they just got gashed on on the ground. And that's mm-hmm. just kind of where we're at. They can't have two good defensive performances at once um against I guess fully healthy teams as well as teams that are capable of doing so. Um, they had that against the Rams, who were injured across the board across offense. Besides, like they're injured at quarterback, they injured on their line and injured at running back. And so it's easier to have that nice defensive performance against a team of that caliber. But when you go against these teams that are going to be playoff contenders and have fully rounded and out the teams it's going to be harder to have standout performances like like that yeah so um trying to getting to justin herbert this is going to be the biggest route of success here as we continue with the defense um Rashawn gary i'll say it uh, right away up top has to get home did you see Matt Schneeman's recent article on The Athletic? I did not. Do I need to go read that after this pod? Uh, I did not read it either, but I, I've already... Um, I'm vamping while I look at the... Do me and Matt Schneeman have a similar opinion? Uh, I believe... Here we go, here we go. Wait one second. Wait one second. <laughs> I am finding it. You'll find here it. Here we go. Uh, the the headline, Rashawn Gary's impact. Are the Packers getting enough from the $96 million pass rush? Yeah. Sounds like I need to, uh, I need to, uh, go read that article when this is done. So, we'll see about that. Always read Matt. Matt's a good writer. Yes, he is. So, little promo there. Um, but yeah, I think that's just the most important thing is they, they have to get home. Um, I don't think when's the last time we've seen it. I guess there was a sack last week, I believe. But um, the Chargers O-line has been a weak link this year. Uh, I'm sorry. My apologies. Their right tackle, uh, Trey Pipkins, has been the weak link on the line, which is typically where uh, Rashawn Gary lines up, despite going from side to side. Um, per PFF, Pipkins is tied for second, allowing six sacks this year, and the Chargers as a whole have allowed 20. So Justin Herbert's been on his back a whole lot through nine games that's almost two sacks per game or it's over two sacks per game so here's to hoping that Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary can get home well and get home often this Nick game Barry, Van Ness, Barry, that they've seen the, significant they were running st- uh, stunts for Van Ness last week too like I think uh, Lucas Van Ness almost got home a couple times on some stunts mm-hmm. and so if they want to be creative like that and not because they're not going to be able to, to blitz secondary players now that they're not deep back there. Like, it's just it's just the nature of it. Until they get Darnell and Eric Stokes back, it's just going to be pretty hard to ask Joe Barry to blitz Jonathan Owens or um, Keyshawn Nixon or any of the secondary players, especially against this this passing offense. 
Yeah, that's the thing. I, I, I mean, I just see one sack the last couple or in each of the last two weeks. This the the whole thing about this Packers defense and what it's built on is getting pressures, and therefore, once it happens, then it's the odds rise of you know getting three and outs, generating turnovers. The like, we just have not seen that, and I I think we talk about Keenan Allen and just the how big of an X factor he is. Like it's mm-hmm. capital X. It's it's size. 72 font X factor. <laughs> um, but a guy like Austin Eckler, who's an outlet in the passing game, a very good running back in his own right, too. Like, you know, what was the stat of the, the Packers play or see like the most, the highest percentage of rushing plays? Yeah. Their they, opponents? Yeah. Their, their players or the team itself just sees a higher percentage of rushing plays as opposed to passing plays the balance is off essentially they run yeah they face the run more than face the pass yeah and that that's a that that in itself is a way of of limiting Rashawn Gary's right exactly limiting the edge rush which is what the bread and butter of the seam is and that that includes scrambles that includes you know plays that just continue and develop and it's pocket breaks down and they Mm. face even the guys that we don't consider mobile quarterbacks hey They'll get a first down. They'll get five or six yards to extend drives and stuff like that. Justin right. Herbert's not really – is kind of in that mold too. So he's clearly – as much as he's he's gotten sacked a few times this year, obviously, and has gotten some injuries based on it too, he's a guy that knows – this is one of the most poised pocket passers in the game. Yeah, you that was I mean? like, his thing coming out of college. Yeah, and it's – I think that <sighs> – you know, we saw them struggle against Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff. They have not faced another like J- Justin Herbert's on another level. If the if the Chargers weren't in their own way, sometimes yep, he could easily be at, on the level of like Holmes, Jalen Hurts in terms of perception and where he stands in the league. But yeah. he's a damn good quarterback regardless. So I don't know how they'll be able to go about that because that's a big another big x factor size 72 font right no absolutely so hopefully they they can get home i think you put it pretty pretty starkly and blankly that if they run the ball Rashawn gary's not got that big of an impact and so i think that's something that needs to be developed and they need to draft for sooner rather than later like i wouldn't even mind as a draft pick if there's a good d lineman out there that's like a certified run stopper go get them at, at six or seven. Like that's, that's a guy that can really bolster your defense and fix a pretty glaring issue. Um, glaring issue for your team. You don't always want to draft for need. You kind of want to draft BPA best player available almost always. But at this point, if you're extending guys that are, so, sorry, if you're extending guys that are adept at pass rushing, and are making their living off sacking the quarterback, having those players neutralized through the run is counterintuitive to how you're building your team, right? And so yep. that's where the sort of build-out of this team matters. Like, Devontae White is good. I think he's having a, a just-fine year. Tudor Slayton's having a just-fine a just year. They're all having just-fine years in, like, the pass-rushing game. Neither one of them are having, like, superb years run-blocking or um, yep. run-preventing. And so... That's just that's just the mix of it. So, 
we'll see how that goes. Hopefully it goes better than we anticipate. I think the biggest thing is just that if they can get home, that might give them a chance to be competitive in this game. Yeah. But they can't be competitive in this game without having a good offense. And so we'll move on to the offense at this <laughs> point. As a segue, folks, best in the business. Uh, <laughs> coming off of the, the 19 point performance in Pittsburgh last week, which should have been 20 with the, with the extra point and probably some more with the uh, interceptions towards the end of the game. It's trending in the right way. What would you say? Yeah. I mean, the last two weeks that this has been more of what we wanted out of this Packers team. Offensively. Yeah. Like there's a lot to still fix certainly, mm-hmm. but it's not, um, it, it, they're not getting in their own way, but there, there's things combating why they have not been more, you know, the breakout these kind of offensive performance that we didn't really expect going into the year, but certainly we would like to see a game or more drives being strung together that they can be a little bit more lethal, explosive offensively. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's trending in the right direction. Let's say. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I would agree with you. That's why I, I set you up for that one. <laughs> I think what has been good, though, and help, what has helped with that is Jordan Love being a better pocket passer than he was during that that um, that four-game slide. So keeping him upright is going to be a priority this week against a pretty stout Chargers um, front seven. They've got the likes of Joey Bosa, Eric Hendricks, Cleo Mack. Um, and I think they're... One of their rookies is having a pretty good year. I'm trying to um, make sure I got the right one, but Tuli Tui Pelotu. Yes, yes, I remember doing some draft analysis on him out of USC. Yes, second round pick. So linebacker has uh, 20 tackles, four sacks, pretty good. So it's going to be tough. Cleo Mack is always is always good. It is going to be a menace. Joey Bosa is always good. Is going to be a, mel- a menace. So, how they can perform against those edge rushers and that and just the front four and five in general going to be pretty 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 critical coming after a week where they had to be pretty good against T.J. Watt and um, Highsmith. Chargers have thirty sacks this year. It's a lot of sacks. Fifteen of those sacks have come in two games. Jesus. Who, I think who are they against? Do you know? The the Raiders. Okay, that makes sense. During the Josh McDaniels days. <laughs> and not last week, but the week before against the Jets. That also makes sense. Yes. Um, and they had a fiver in there, I believe, against... It might have been Minnesota. Minnesota. Um, Sorry. Either that or um, I'm looking at it right now. Nope, you're um, the Titans, Titans, yeah. and the Cowboys. So they've yeah they've Jesus, <laughs> like the the former two, the the Jets and the Raiders have pretty not great offensive lines. So that makes sense. Yeah. But the Cowboys and Titans have good offensive lines, <laughs> and so getting yes. getting sacks against them is pretty impressive. Five yeah, at, I think at that. That is what we're. I mean. 
Packers have had problems with singular pass rushers, whether it's Max Crosby. TJ Wout did, you know, he only had one sack, but he was a problem all game long. Mm-hmm. Um, who am I missing? Who am I missing? They kept Daniel uh, Hunter in check. He kept, yes, kept him in check. I swear there's another guy that kind of. Oh, Aiden Hutchinson. Oh, yeah. Detroit game. Yeah. yeah. Now we're talking about two star pass rushers, a very good rookie by all accounts. They're, they're like defense tackle. Morgan Fox has five and a half sacks on the year, too. God. Like, this is going to be an all five man unit kind of thing. Like, Packers' O line has had their problems. They've had their injuries. They've had everything. Like, obviously, it's easy to key in on, okay, if it's Rasheed Walker, Yash Nyman, and how they'll handle the combo of Mac and Bosa kind of switching places over the course of the game. But, like, they those two generate so much pressure that the you know a guy like Morgan Fox or any other interior lineman can feast too because they of of the protection issues that generate because of having to defend all pro level sackers right <laughs> and it's gonna be it's gonna be tough because like you have multiple of them that you need to focus on you can't double yes. Joey Bosa or double Cleo Max and you got Morgan Fox or Tuli Tulipo to cover in the middle. Like it's just it'll it'll probably be a lot of big packages, like tight ends helping out, um, running backs trying to help out on passes as well. Like it's gonna be a tough week for the offensive line to really um stifle that that pass rush. However, I saw a clip but I told you this in our in our earlier today, a clip of the that same defensive line getting pushed back on the runs. So if the Packers defense can do something like that, where I think it was against, against the Lions last week, I think it was the first drive, the Packer, the Lions offensive line reset the line of scrimmage so that David Montgomery didn't have to um, make a decision on what hole he wanted to run through until after the first down marker on like a third and three or third and four. Like that's that's domination of a, def- of a defensive line. Mm-hmm. And I saw it from a Packers Twitter person where it was like, can't wait for Jordan Love to operate behind what would be this like offensive line against this defensive line. I just think that's a little ambitious. I don't think we've seen that sort of dominance in the run game from the Packers at all this year. So to expect them to do it against the chargers who had it done to them by a pretty good offensive line and offense that the lions had last week, I think is a little bit naive, but I'm willing to make to see it. If they want to make it happen, I'm not going to be upset about it. Yeah, I just don't. I don't think the Packers are at that point. I mean, we're talking about them trending in the right direction, but there's still, again, there's a lot of issues that why they haven't scored as many, many points, um, right? Basically, since the Bears game. So yeah, yeah. I, th- I don't know. I worry about Jordan Love, and I think this is going to be a very big test on his decision making, his mm-hmm. ability to withstand pressure. Can he find ways to not just rely on you know scrambling out of pockets? Can he make throws stepping up into pockets when it starts to break down? Like, this is going to be a good litmus test in that way of, like, it's just finding data of, of, okay, we know Jordan Love is not a fully-fledged developed quarterback, but how does he handle facing against defensive lines like this? Like, again, Packers' soft schedule kind of invites the fact that you're not going to see a lot of great defenses. Mm -hmm. We're not going to see a, a level of Philadelphia. Kansas City is probably going to be the, the 
probably the best defense that we see this year, honestly. Yeah. Um, maybe Detroit again too, depending on how you view them. But like, there's just not that level of like, at least from a front like this that could create so much pressure. Certainly has a lot of problems in terms of it lets up a lot of points. Yeah. They play they play fast and loose a little bit, but I I do think this is going to be an interesting game from a from for Jordan Love in terms of responding to basically all out pressure from all sides. Yeah, I think that's a great point in that I sort of transitioning to the to the um like passing the ball and, and how they decide to go with the passing game. Asante Samuel Jr. is good. Like he's an, an all pro level cornerback and they're gonna have to avoid him, like depending on who he lines up with, whether it be Rumor Dobbs or Christian Watson. Like it's gonna be another tough week for either of those guys. Like it's been a tough week for um Packers receivers on like in the conversations because first I think it was Paul Brettel, I believe, our good friend of the pod, um, wrote about how Romeo Dobbs's touchdown numbers are inflated when compared to his actual separation and how he's performing as a receiver. And I think he put it like perfectly. Like Romeo Dobbs hasn't been getting separation in the one-on-one matchups by pure talent alone. It's been a lot of scheme, which is fine. Yep. Like if, he can, if he's catching the ball on those um, on those plays where he's schemed to get open, that's good. At least he's catching the ball. But for him to be a next level receiver and to have a place on this team he has to win one-on-ones he just hasn't been this year which has been a problem like throughout the season for the Packers like that's partially the reason why it's a tough it's sort of tough sledding for Jordan Love at the moment and all season in the passing game and then Christian Watson after sorry did you want to say something no I was gonna say that tracks because we talked about like where's Romeo Dobbs we know his connection with Jordan Love in terms of red zone targets red zone scores like it takes a while sometimes to get to that point mm-hmm. on some plays, but like they have been, I'd be curious to go through red zone touchdowns alone and just see how much, how many Romeo Dobbs has. Um, but yeah, like there are the games where we're like, where's Romeo Dobbs? Why is he not? He's he'll come out in, in the lions game and go off in terms of numbers, but that's also facing against a, a defense that eventually retreats into a shell and doesn't want to let, let up big plays. So like, Again, it all tracks of just where we are at with Romeo Dobbs and and you know, we'll get into the next pack pass and pass catcher. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right, and I think the other part of it is just Christian Watson. Like, he, there, there has been a lot of discussion amongst Packers fans this week about Christian Watson. Um, so much so that we talked about it on Sunday, where his dad got on Twitter and compared him to his first two years to Devonta Adams' first two years. And then, I think just a lot of comments just about how he needs to be better, including from myself. Like, I just think he needs to be better and needs to go up and catch the ball and fight for it. Like, we had that discussion on Sunday. Um, but notably, uh, Coach Matt LaFleur was asked about it in um, in press conferences this week and had this to say. This is from uh, uh, Peter Bukowski. 
the tweet reads, uh, Matt LaFleur is saying, quote, a lot, end quote, of Christian Watson's struggles are on him, the head coach. Uh, and he's always taking responsibility. Uh, I'm trying to see if there was another one that I might have missed, but there wasn't. But I don't, like, I guess that sentiment itself, you and I disagreed upon. I think that Matt LaFleur taking a lot of responsibility for Christian Watson's struggles is protecting his player more than I think he needs to. Because while it hasn't been great schematically and how he's used, I just think that he hasn't been just great at catching the ball. He's had a few drops, and we've seen just sort of the lack of ability to go get the ball be one of the main issues that has that has plagued him this year. Between that and underthrown balls, which aren't his fault, but... I think a lot of it is not fighting to get back towards that underthrown ball. And I think that's just part of what has been the frustrating point from from Packers fans. I agree with you. I think that is kind of Matt LaFleur's go-to move, I guess, of protecting the player, taking on the blame. It is a, a go-to move in that sense. I do think he's also right because... Again, Christian Watson's usage in terms of go go run long routes. <laughs> it's been it's been like it just I think that's where it's frustrating for a lot of us to see is that going into this year we just thought better expectations of like we didn't ex- expect the kind of le- you know torrid run that he was on at the end of last year, but we just thought more consistency would help him. And we obviously thought that even with a big change at quarterback, he would have more of a role in this offense. Like I've seen some of the, Oh, well, it's actually good that he's actually doing what he's doing because it is taking the heat off of the other guys. And, you know, Jaden Reed is making big plays. Luke Musgrave has obviously been a popular target for Jordan Love. Romeo Dobbs, we've gone in and out of, but like, we're not. <laughs> At some point, it just comes down to producing, and and I do think you are right. It's obviously you're right in terms of he needs to fight for the ball better. He can't just wilt in towards. Hey, I'm going to jump up for the for the ball in in a way that oh, it's going to lead me into a touchdown, or it's going to like you know you have to physically fight for the ball. Like that is your he's not the most built guy, but he's a very tall uh, wide receiver in in terms of a specimen like that. But I do think there is a limit to just, hey, we're going to have you run the same go route 30 out of however many snaps you see in a game. I I do think there's just ways to get him open. And I'm exaggerating. I'm sure there's numbers and stats that can point to Christian Watson having more of a a varied route tree, but it just doesn't feel like that ultimately. And part of that is because of the where the Packers are playing. If they're down, if they're having to come back, it's like, well, we're going, we're we're big play hunting, and we need Christian Watson, you, our speed threat, to do the same thing that you're going to do over and over again. And I think it would be helped by the offense looking more like it has the last couple of weeks, and therefore Christian Watson can you know, do things that are just him running down one straight line. But again, the offense has looked more 
normal the last two weeks, and Christian Watson really hasn't been a factor in either of those games. Right. No, absolutely. I think your point of getting him mixed in and not running straight down the field is evidenced in, uh, I should say evidence is, yeah, I also evidence by the fact that his average depth of target is up three yards from last year. It was 14.3 last year, 17.3 this year. Like it's, they're clearly throwing the ball to him deeper and deeper this year in ways that just aren't successful, clearly. Um, but to then, again, to, to my point, last year over his the course of his um, his games, I'm trying to scroll over here to see how many games he played last year. Um, I don't know why he doesn't want to tell me that specifically in this, this but regardless, he had um, 65 targets on 41 receptions last year, 33 targets on 14 receptions this year. He had nine catches. Uh, on, he had nine contested catches out of 12 opportunities. This year, out of 12 opportunities, he has two. So, like, we talked about that on Sunday. It's just a a drastic decrease in what we've expected him to be. And it's not all of Jordan Love's fault. Like, there's been catches there he needed to make. It's Some of it's Jordan Love's fault, but it's... Sure, it's a little option A, it's a little option B, but at the end of the day, he's supposed to be the, the wide receiver one. He has to show that ability to come back and get that ball and make a play for it, frankly. Mm-hmm. So, with all that being said, I hope it keeps on progressing. Like, he just needs to have a better, um, I guess a better cadence with Jordan Love, have a better um, relationship with Jordan Love, and have better chemistry, and that only comes with time. And, I mean, hell, these last, what is it, nine weeks ought to be a good spot for it. Yep. Yeah. Have to get Aaron Jones going this week, frankly. We talked about it two weeks ago against the um the Rams. This is a run first team and they need to What day what day do you think Malafleur is asked about that and he goes It's uh, whatever <laughs> the sky's the limit or Yeah, it's about time we unleash Aaron Jones. It's like Well it's, yeah, it's the It's not even that like he needs to be unleashed. Because he played well against air up against the Rams. And then yes. they gave him 20 touches against the the Steelers. Steelers. Like, it's not that they took his touches back against um, the Steelers versus the Rams game. The Rams or the Steelers just have a better defense. That's all there is. Oh, all there was to course. it. Yeah. And so at that point, I'm not concerned if he's not getting all the touches, not having success. If he's not having success, that's a Aaron Jones problem and an offensive line problem kind of thing. But some of which is a Matt LaFleur problem and how quality those touches are. But I wasn't upset at how he got used last week. Like, as long as he it it stays that, as long as it it keeps going and at that cadence, then I'll be happy. I can't be upset at twenty touches, frankly, because you're no. he's twenty eight, I think twenty nine. Um, he just can't be the bell cow back like Derrick Henry is at his age, or like Mark Ingram is or was for all those years at the end of, towards the end of his Mark career. Ingram pull. Well, oh. like it, that's the no. I know what you. I know what you mean. Like, I know what you mean. They're they're different builds, right? Derrick Henry yes. is a absolute specimen of a football player. He's a refrigerator, right? Mark Ingram, short, stocky, like is beefy. He he can take a beating. He's a, he's like AJ Dillon. Aaron Jones yes. is not the AJ Dillon type of build back. He can't be no. like just. He's a slim Jim. Sure, <laughs> he can't take. 
the pounding that it takes to run it 35 times a game or anything like that. He just he just can't. Um, and it's a have success point, th- like the rest of the season. Is my point. Yeah, and to your point, Andrew Dell has been playing better. He there's a way for we've seen how this can work, mm-hmm. and it has not worked consistently enough, frankly, since Devontae Adams left. But we even saw it in spurts last year. Like there's ways for this two-headed running back crew, whatever you want to call it, to succeed. Mm-hmm. It's about putting both of them in spots to succeed rather than failing. Right. <laughs> and uh yeah, I think again it's I was more the reason why I brought up the question is that it's literally asked every freaking week. Yeah. And Nala Fleur is like, yeah. Let, let's get on the hog and ride. In terms of like <laughs> giving Aaron Jones touches, like yeah, like the, it's not. I don't know. It's not anything revolutionary, but it's like it's funny. Like it just feels like it's a parody of like. So, coach, what's in the playbook for Aaron Jones this week? And he just said some <laughs> weird like. Right. Let's go tubing. No, I I get it. No, I get it. I, I apologize for going on tangent. What was supposed to be a joke. <laughs> But I liked your analysis. Thank you. Um, I think going back to the, the receiver discussion, opposite of Asante Samuel Jr. is Mike Davis. Uh, I'm sorry, Michael Davis. Um, and is grading out as a rough year. A 48.3 grade on the year, allowing five touchdowns, which is tied for fifth most in the NFL. Like, if that's Jaden Reed, if that's Luke Musgrave, or whoever that is, they have an opportunity to have a big week. And so, like, finding the weak links in that secondary and having some sort of success with it is going to be important. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think, is Derwin James on IR? He's uh, not. No, nope, he's, he's not. I mean, he, he's not. He's, he's playing. <laughs> it's a fair question, though, because he has been hurt Off. for a lot. But he's good. He's very good. So he's that'll be a problem. Good. And they'll probably be sending doubles if that guy's getting, if Michael Davis is getting um, picked on or sending Derwin James his way as the strong safety. So, um, as a team, the Chargers allowed the second most passing yards only behind the Commanders and have done so in one less game. So, there's opportunity for passing offenses to have success against this defense. As much as it is, it is tempting to get goaded into passing the ball more, I just think they need to start with throwing the ball. Like, we've talked about it. We just talked about it for, for 20, 10 minutes. Run the ball first open up the passing game so that your receivers have a chance. Mix in Dontavon Wicks a little more. Um, mix, in, mix in Luke Musgrave over the middle more. Like Some more Christian Watson over the middle would be great. I think a lot of the problems is like we've talked about this a couple weeks ago, is that over the shoulder, deep passes on go routes are hard throws. Like Throwing yep. into the sideline is a, t- is a tough throw always. And If you can get Jordan Love to pass over the middle, I think you're going to have more success as an offense, frankly, than him throwing goal routes over his shoulders and um, stuff like that. So, anything else, Jordan? We should go into players to watch. I think we should go into players to watch. I was going to look up penalties because I feel like the Chargers are. I have a lot of penalties too. That's another. That's another classic Chargers of like. Yeah. They have these big penalties that just bite them in the butt, and. Uh, yeah, that wouldn't surprise I, me. I, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Let's go, players to watch. I get to go first. You go first last week. And I'm stealing who I think you're going to pick. Um, my charger to watch is Keenan Allen. Not sure if that's who you're going to pick, but um, I think it was we... not, actually. Ooh. We had uh, 
150 yards, 10 catches, a touchdown as like a good thing to limit Keenan Allen to, which is crazy. Um, I think he has potential to have more than that this week. Like Quinton Johnson has had a okay rookie year. Um, like you said, Josh Palmer having a good year as well with both the tight ends. Um, but Jalen Guyton Gutton is having a good game back against the Lions, so getting him mixed in might be um, in the cards. But at the end of the day, Keenan Allen is the guy. So if the guy. Justin Herbert needs to pick on either of Carrington uh, Valentine or Corey Valentine, whoever Keenan Allen's on, he will. And he'll have success doing it. So I predict, regretfully, 200 yards from Keenan Allen. I hope I'm wrong. His, his high this year, his high stat line this year, 18 catches, 215 yards against the Vikings in week three. Yep. Last week he had 11 catches for 175 yards and two touchdowns against the Lions. Yeah. Like he just is a monster. That's all there is to it. Yeah. Who would your charger to watch, Jordan? Austin Eckler. Another good pick because he has the same opportunity to go off and make our day horrible. We saw Jalen Warren feast on this Packers defense, both in the run game and the passing game. Austin Eckler is a better running back and can do both of those things very well. Um, even in a down year, I just think this Packers defense is going to be lost in terms of they may do the job and maybe holding Keenan Allen under 100 yards by some way or whatever. But Austin Eckler might be the guy that just feasts with all the attention going that way and, and getting touchdowns, getting loose. In the open field, we've seen Packers have a lot of tackling issues. It certainly has, happens with running backs that can just who are elusive, and Austin Eckler is one of those guys that yeah. just shakes people loose. So, yeah, I'm I uh, Keenan Allen's definitely the. It's hard not to go with him first, but Austin Eckler might be the guy that just <laughs> the uh, what is the the. Um, uh, the term I cannot remember doesn't matter, but yeah, Austin Eckler is my guy that I think is just gonna be a problem for the Packers. Plus, he's playing a porous rush uh defense who a lot of people might be starting their fantasy players against. So, that's not a call out to me, that's a call out to him last year saying that he actually pays attention to fantasy football Good. and wants. <laughs> Wants to to do well by fans to do well during games, which is a crazy thing to admit for a player. Is it? I don't think it's. I think you. It's it's definitely the outlier. Like a lot. I don't of, think it is. I think a lot of guys are like, screw your fantasy team. Also, shout out Ty because I did not swear right there. I was about to. <laughs> I think that's. I don't. Like, I, don't like, I don't care about your fantasy team. Like I think a lot of players have that opinion. I, think I do think so. I also, but they're aware of it. Yeah, I think it's they're hard aware. not to. I think they're aware of it, but I think they ultimately could care less because if they have bad games, they're going to yell that in their mentions, and I think that's annoying. I mean, yeah, it, to be an athlete these days is not. I would not recommend it outside I, of. I'd recommend it. Give me millions of dollars, please. I will. I, know, t- but I will take the verbal abuse. Of, there's a level of you hear it from everybody. You don't. You didn't necessarily hear that way back in the day. At least from just the average Joes, you heard it from right. press people and reporters. But. Do you remember the show on Spike TV that was called uh, Pearls vs. Joes? Yeah, 
I do. That show was so good. I love that did show. Not, I did not anticipate going to a Spike TV show, getting that pulled out of a rabbit's head. Listen, man, I watched Daryl Strawberry absolutely annihilate some dudes, and it was a lot of fun to watch. Okay, sorry, who's your Packer to watch? <laughs> uh, Packer to watch. That might be, this is going to be tough for... Do you have one of mine? No. It's really tough. It's hard. I have one, but I think it's kind of a... It's not going to cop up, but it's like... I have one that should have a good week if things fall. Should have a good week? Yes. Jaden Reed should have a good week. Like, if he's not... He's not going to be the first option in the passing game, so he might be going against some of the lesser talent in the secondary, like... Maybe he gets schemed open a little more often than um, he usually would, given week to week. Like, it's has potential just to be a bad pick. Like, he could just have one catch for, like, 20 yards. But I think coming off of the momentum he had against the Steelers, it could be a decent um, a decent pick in that he just has another, another good day. And so I think any receiver is a good pick, but... I, I don't have confidence in Christian Watson as a player at the moment. Roman no. Dobbs probably draws the Asante Samuel assignment. And so that leaves Jaden Reed and Luke Musgrave to kind of pick up the pieces. And I think either one of them could have a decent week and hopefully a couple touchdowns. I'm going to go Love. Jordan Love. Yeah, that's fine. I, I, I probably outlined my case better about 15 minutes ago when we were talking about him. <laughs> but I do, I just, I like having these kind of games of like, okay, you're going to face a lot of pass rushers all at once instead of just Max Crosby or Daniel Hunter, you know, these, you know, as I mentioned, these singular pass rushers. Um, And again, part of the reason why this offense has been trending upward is that in the Rams game, we saw better efficiency from, uh, you know, completing passes and finding guys in the right spots. Last week, we saw just the sheer arm talent that Jordan Love has. Let's start to see it a little bit more. Let's start. Let's start to see like how he looks like under pressure because I, I do think he's going to be under pressure a lot on Sunday. But I I just want to see him play or how he responds playing these kind of games because again, Packers have had a, played a lot of winnable games against not so <laughs> not teams that haven't won a lot of games. So I. Chargers are among those teams, but we know that they are better than their record shows in terms of just the sheer talent that they have, too. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, they just are unlucky. Yes. To bring it full circle. Score predictions. You're you're up first. Chargers. 38. Packers, 21. That's ambitious. Uh, Chargers 45, Packers 17. This is my pick. I, I, I can't convince myself pick... to not pick there the, we go. the Chargers in this one. I think it's going to be a bloodbath. I, yeah, it, has, I... it has potential to be a shootout. Potential? I... It, does. it does. I think that it, it that is contingent on if the Packers at least force a turnover. Yeah. I, I agree, but to be to be clear, if this is a turn, if this is a, a shootout and they lose, I'm gonna be ecstatic either way, because if it's if it's a shootout, that means the offense is working, 
And yes. that would be a huge, huge positive coming out of this. Even week. if it's like what we saw against in the Eagles game last year, I, that's a big touch point just because we saw Jordan Love play in that game mm-hmm. before this year. But that level of like, hey, they're still in it. Like, they're not like, I, I think we would kind of be, it would be a consolation prize. Yeah, in staying that. in it, it would be would be good. Yes. Like, if they're down by a touchdown or two the entire game, but still keep on scoring, that's just fine. The defense, we'd have a talk, we have a conversation about, but. Of course, as we always do. As we always do. So, all right, folks, that does it for us. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talk of the Tundra. Um, as always, follow us over on the Twitter and the Instagram. You can find me at at, at Numac is known, Jordan at Jordan Tresky. Uh, Instagram and TikTok is at WatchGSPN. Go follow all of those. We would really appreciate it. Um, go check out Ty and Rohan uh, with Eurostep and Jordan and Adam with What in Six on the Bucks feed. Um, Jordan, I'm sorry, Ty and Rohan just put on an episode re- recapping the, the Bulls win on monday i believe it was um oh yeah over the bulls but also just going over in general the jay crowder loss of him i think tearing a ligament in his shoulder if not mistaken oh his groin his groin yep so go check out that i know that uh i believe jordan and adam are recording a one in six this week so you'll have that in the bucks feed as well um cruising for talking about a talking about a certain bucks head coach just maybe yeah. Um, go check out Cruising for Bruising with Andrew and Adam. The Brewers hired a new general manager on uh, Pat Murphy. Just a rehash of Craig Hunsell, so go listen to that. I get to listen to it, but Jordan did, and he said he liked it, because obviously. Um, and then always make time for this with Adam and Andrew again. Um, I think they have a new episode coming out sometime soon, but I'm not entirely sure. If anything, you can go listen to the Martin Scorsese episode, which is a good one. So, How about this? Subscribe to the feed so you don't miss anything. Yeah, subscribe to him. Just go do that's it. A, that's a simple solution. That's a very simple solution. All right, folks. Appreciate you listening. Thank you, and we will be back on Sunday. And Jordan, thank you. Thank you. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.